9 o'clock. It's the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network, 101.1 FM, 1340 AM in the Valley, along Highway 50, 102.1 FM, and online all the time. You can stream us from the website or get the mobile app at Apple Play, or at the uh, Apple's, uh, Google Play, I should say, or the uh, Apple App Store, or at our website, theteam1340.com. It is a wine about a Wednesday with Talon Wine. And want a bottle of Talon Wine today, if you've got something to complain about, just send it to us today on the team line, 970-242-1340. We're also, uh, we'll pick another qualifier for our uh, Buffalo Wild Wings big game giveaway, table for six and 50 wings for uh, the big game between the Chiefs and the Niners coming up on February 11th. And uh, we have a qualifier from last hour, correct, Buckeye? Yes, we do. Josh is uh, now on the list. You just made the list! All right, so we'll do another one this hour. And uh, we'll draw the winner next Thursday morning, by the way, for that uh, table out at Buffalo Wild Wings. You'll be out there, Buckeye, for uh, all the festivities. Yeah. And don't forget Interrupting the Usher all night long. That's going to be great. <laughs> and uh, my understanding is you'll be... You're going to sing along with Usher during halftime. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to do the little John parts. Is what it is. I'll make sure that I leave yeah. way before that. Yeah. I'm actually going to be sing- singing along with Reba, too. Please don't. Please don't do either thing. Love this country. Let's sing along with Reba. All right. It's uh, 9.02. And uh, last night, CSU coming up with the big win against San Diego State. He had the call last night. Time to... Talk Rams basketball with Brian Roth. Talking CSU with the voice of the Rams, Brian Roth, on the Jim Davis Show. Brian Roth joins us on the team line. Good morning, Brian. Always a pleasure. Yeah, good morning, Jim. What's going on? See, last time we talked, you were in Marino. Uh, the uh, the Rams lost to Nevada and then the game of Wyoming. Okay, let's go back to that game for a moment. Before we talk about the jubilation, the excitement of beating San Diego State last night. What the hell happened at Wyoming? <laughs> yeah, what the hell happened? I still don't know. I'm trying to still try to piece that one together as uh, all of Ram Nation is, man. That you know, I mean, gosh, you do this long enough, uh, whether from the announcer side or you know, the, all the coaches out there that uh, you know, you, you, you coach long enough and you're going to win in incredible and strange and quirky ways. You're going to lose in those ways, too, if, if you're in it long enough. And I, I've never seen anything like that before in a basketball game. Now, Colorado State had, had kind of one of those things in, in a football game here this year where they were on the winning side against Boise State where it was just seemed inconceivable that you could win that game. Well, on Saturday up in Laramie, it really seemed inconceivable that Colorado State was going to lose that game with uh, under a minute to go. You're up by 11. Um anybody out there follows Ken Palm, uh, Ken Palmeroy, his website uh, with college basketball and analytics. And uh, with one minute to go in the game, Wyoming had a 0.2% of a chance of winning. And they came back to win, and it was the lowest win probability uh, in the entire nation for a team that that won here this season. So uh, it's the most improbable win in college basketball here this year. And saw something where it, uh, it it might have been the second all-time in, in the history of college basketball. Uh, there was a stat on Twitter about that. I, I don't know if I believe that because there's a lot of games that have gone on. But, yeah, to lose uh, a game up by 11 when, um, you know, there's under a minute to go, a lot of things had to happen. I mean, Colorado State missed free throws um, and didn't play great, didn't box out down the stretch. Wyoming did everything right. And, you know, Jim, I'm not one to blame the officials, but the officials had their fingerprints on that just an awful timeout call with the wyoming player 
out of bounds and then uh, a, a foul on a three-point shot where the Wyoming player with under, again, under 10 seconds to go in the game, rams up by five. That thing's over. The Wyoming player comes down, shoots a three-pointer, jumps across the three-point line, and creates the contact to the Ram defender, and the official gave him the foul <laughs> the three free throws. So anything that could go wrong went wrong for Colorado State. And you know, even with all that, the game went to overtime. Rams were up by four in OT with a minute 30 to go and still couldn't close it out. So uh, um, a heartbreaking loss. There's no question about that. Now, for, for Wyoming, memory serves me correctly, it was a cool cot that he, he had the four-point play, did he not, for them? Uh, no, it was the other guard, Griffin, the transfer from Tulsa. Okay, it was Griffin. Cotty had a massive three in the overtime, though. Yeah, got, got the, yeah the, the guy played at Fort Lewis College, so a guy that uh, had a yeah. chance to see him play uh, in the Armac the last couple of years. But, yeah, just a, just a devastating loss on the road. Game, like you said, up by 11 minutes to go, and you think, okay, you know, be good to wash off, you know, the the stink of the loss in Nevada, and then unfortunately lose to Wyoming. But then, last night, well, I should say, leading up to last night, the the Rams basketball team needed something to kind of um, cleanse the palate, something to kind of get their mind off of of losing back to back games, and particularly losing that that game the way they did at Wyoming. So they went out because you guys have had Fort Collins has had a really nice weather, uh, just like we've had over here. The guys went out and played some kickball on Sunday with the coaches to kind of find a way to, hey, let's, let's find something that we can uh, use as a diversion to, to not think about basketball and not think about what's happened the last uh, couple of games. It obviously worked. Uh, Nico Medved, master, uh, master psychological uh, manipulator of this basketball team. They go out and play some kickball, and they went out and uh, kicked San Diego State around a little bit on, on Tuesday night. Yeah, you know it's really interesting. How, how do you deal with adversity, and how do you how do you come back from that? Because you know you 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 blow an eleven point lead in the final minute and, and lose a game that hurts. But then then to do it at Wyoming against your rival, against the team that you're clearly better than, and you shouldn't lose to. I mean, based on the metrics, and I mean, so all of it just wrapped up into that with just one ball up, like suck, right? I mean, it was just awful. And so Nico Medved brought them all in on Sunday and just they kind of talked it through and, and, and tried to make sure they wanted to get their mindset right. And after that, he said, look, our weather is great. Let's go out. And what Nico said to me yesterday at Shooteram, he said, you know what? It, it only took a minute or two and we got into the kickball game and guys started to get competitive in kickball. And what did I see? I saw smiles returning to the faces of her players. I saw joy in our players. And he said, I just wanted to remind them that, guys, we're playing a game. You're college athletes. This is not life or death. And uh, do you have incredible opportunities in front of you? Let's have fun. This is what it's about. It's about having fun here. Yeah, it's about winning games, but it's about the college experience and building young men. And, and so they just wanted to kind of get some of that joy back. Then they went out and practiced hard on Monday. And, of course, at San Diego State last night, and it clearly worked. I mean, whether it was that or, or, or what, I don't know. But just wanted them to realize that they are blessed to be able to play college basketball and, and to shut out all the noise that uh, is out there on social media. And so, you know, they came out. That, that was the question I think Ram fans had during the game last night. Not that the season was on the brink, because – Colorado State, even after the loss against Wyoming, Jim, still clearly in the NCAA tournament, not a bubble team. I mean, you're, you're still in the tournament, anywhere from a 7 to a 10 seed. 
But make no doubt, uh, uh, San Diego State coming in was a massive game last night. I think Ram fans were thinking, how are they going to bounce back? Well, I mean, they were incredible last night. Jumped out to a 17-4 to lead, and then down the stretch held off San Diego State. It was a great answer for this Colorado State basketball team, and one that they desperately needed. And you take down last year's national championship, a runner-up to UConn in San Diego State. And it's a very physical basketball team. And uh, Nick Clifford of the 20 points last night uh, had a sensational game. The, the Rams seemed, Brian, prepared for that that physical style that the Aztecs bring to the table. Yeah, and the Aztecs have the uh, what, at this point, is the, the front runner for the Mountain West Conference Player of the Year in Jaden Ledee. And Ledee's averaging 21 points per game and, and uh, nine rebounds a game to lead the Mountain West in scoring. And Ledee goes 6'9", 240. And, I mean... If, if anybody out there has seen him, I mean, he's just, he looks like the rock, almost his body. I mean, it's just, he's just an unbelievable specimen. And he's just been dominating folks here this year. And so, Colorado State had to match his physicality. And San Diego State's, a, you know, an elite defensive team and a rebounding team. And, and that's just their brand of basketball. It always has been. And the question is, when you play them, can you match that? And, and that was obviously priority number one for Colorado State last night. Can you match that that physicality that San Diego State brings? And CSU certainly did that last night. But to watch the Rams come out, again, it was the fourth sellout of the year. You know, you have 8,000 strong packed in the Moby Arena. The, the atmosphere was electric. I think the Rams fed off the crowd. State Pride night, so they were wearing the State Pride uniforms that are gorgeous. And they jump out to a 17-4 lead and. I think everybody saw that and was like, okay, finally, here we go. This is the Colorado State basketball team we we were watching in November into December. That's kind of tailed off a little bit in January, but they are back. And, and indeed, that, that win last night, I can't tell you how important that was for Colorado State in the short-term present mindset, but then how important that win's going to be for the Rams when it comes to selection Sunday here in, what, about 40, 45, 50 days. He's the voice of CSU Rams, Brian Roth, joining us today on the Team Sports Network. And I'm just reading some articles, one of them from your favorite scribe, uh, Sean Keeler, kind of made last night's game sound like it was kind of a do or die that uh, the the Rams were looking at just staring a trip to the NIT in the face and things like that. But I mean, what you're telling me is, that, that resume is, and, and, and just looking at what, who they play and who they've beaten, that that resume is, and in, in the, the Kim Palm rankings and all that, that resume is going to, has them in the NCAA tournament right now. They're not an NIT team going into that game last night, despite the two the two losses. No, no, for sure not. But at the same time, and, and to, I guess to, I have not read that article from, from Sean, who's a great writer, by the way, and I'm sure he's a fine guy. <laughs> <laughs> you can't keep the feud going. Uh, Jim, I mean, why can't I? Why can I do that? You can. St- <laughs> you want to start a feud with me and somebody? That's okay too, Brian. We can make that fair. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Um, but I mean, uh, like, look, I mean, the metrics for Colorado State yesterday, twenty-four hours ago, were still really, really good. But just because they're they're good on what was that, January thirtieth, um, doesn't mean that they're going to necessarily be good on on February 29th, right, or on March first, and so. You know, while the metrics were still fine, the Rams, it's not a, you know, it was not a great loss on Saturday against Wyoming. They're still in great shape, right? 
But with that being said, last pick was really important. And and, and to, to notch another quad one win, to get another uh, notch in that resume that, that you know, the, the selection committee is going to look at. Last time was huge because it was a home game, too. And you've got to take care of business at home because CSU has yet to win a Mountain West Conference road game. They're 0-4. Rams are 4-4 four and four in conference play, four wins at home, four losses on the road. So last night was an opportunity to get right, number one, get some of that mojo back, but also to continue to build that resume. So uh, to do what they did last night and to do it in the fashion they did. I mean, Colorado State led for 39 minutes of the game. They trailed for 16 seconds last night. And I think that was the key thing I was talking about on my podcast this morning is that you know, look, Rams were in complete control. They got out to a 14-point lead in the first half. It was eight at halftime. It was hovering around 10 for the first, you know, 10 minutes of the second half. All of a sudden, San Diego State took the lead for the first time with about uh, six and a half, seven minutes to go at 61-60. And I think everybody collectively at Bobby Arena was like, oh, no, you got to be kidding. Here we go, right? And what did the Rams do? They answered with an 8 nothing run. And they go from 61-60 down to 68-61. They're leading by seven again. And they trailed for all of 16 seconds in that game. It was a great response. And certainly the Rams, I think, uh, if, if, if the, they start trending in the right direction again in the final month of the season, I, I think a lot of folks are going to look back to this game and say, yeah, that's the game that kind of got the Rams back on track. Brian Roth, voice of CSU Rams, with us today on the Team Sports Network. Uh, next up, it's Fresno State. Uh, they're coming off the loss last night. Uh, they fell to UNLV seventy-eight to sixty-nine. They're they're nine and twelve overall right now. So you have them on, on Saturday night, and uh, um, you know a, a team that's you know not had a sensational season. Uh, but once again, how the Mountain West has kind of played out this this year. Not to be cliched, you can't you can't overlook anybody right now. Well, you can't overlook anybody, but this is one of those games that, uh, you know, just as San Diego State game was important last night to get back on track, this is a really important game to, to say, hey, look, we can win a road game, right? Against one of the lesser teams in the conference, at least by the by the metrics. I mean, the same applied to Wyoming last week. I mean, hey, you got to go and win a game against the Wyoming team that's uh, 178 in the net rankings, right? I mean, that's a quad three game. you, you got to go and win those road games. Obviously, the Rams faltered in the final minute and in the overtime against Wyoming. Well, it's the same situation coming up on Saturday. You've got to go and get a road game. And, um, you know, I, I, you look at the Wyoming game, Selection Sunday, yeah, they're going to look at that as a quad three loss. That's not a great loss. But you know what? It didn't hurt them too much in the, in the metrics. But you can't start piling up quad three losses. It, this is what it would be against uh, Fresno State. So uh, go on the road, take care of business, and then you get two home games coming up next week against Boise State and San Jose State. Those games you're going to be favored in. And so an opportunity for the Rams as they get into February here and you start looking at the final month of the regular season leading into the Mountain West Tournament in Vegas and hopefully uh, hopefully beyond, have a chance to kind of go on a little bit of run here because then you have to go to San Diego, you still have to go to the pit, so you, you want to rack up the wins where you're going to be favored in these contests, and again, that starts on Saturday night. 8 o'clock for that tip-off. You can hear uh, Brian's call on the Varsity uh, Sports app. Uh, Brian Rothfuss, the CSU Rams with us, and Brian, before we let you go, do you want to 
acknowledge a, a, a local Rams tie with uh, with Bob Cates that uh, coached at Fruto Monument High School before they played. He played his uh, college basketball at Colorado State. Uh, they they named the uh, the press room after him over at Canvas Stadium. He's a CSU basketball legend. Uh, Bob Cates passing away just a few days ago, and so I want to acknowledge uh, uh, an outstanding player for Colorado State on the hardwood back in the 50s, but also uh, had uh, ties here to the Valley, coaching at Fruit of Monument in basketball. He was also the District 51 athletic director before he joined Chassa as an assistant commissioner. So uh, a little uh, local tie to uh, to Rams basketball history with uh, Bob Cates. Well, I appreciate you bringing that up, and uh, I did not know that, and I will make a note of that right here and make mention of that on a radio broadcast on Saturday night. I appreciate the heads up. I know that uh, Bob and Linda, Linda, of course, Bob's yep. wife, they would go uh, Rams football games, basketball games. They were constantly at uh, at uh, CSU athletic events and uh, big-time Rams supporters, so I'm sure they uh, any acknowledgement you send their way uh, would be much appreciated with the, the passing of Bob. Yeah, we'll consider it done. Well, thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. Have a, Enjoy a couple days off and uh, have a great call coming up on Saturday with the Rams in Fresno State. Always appreciate it, my friend. Awesome. Thanks, Jim. Take care. Brian Roth, voice of the CSU Rams, joining us in the program this morning. Bob Cates will also go into the uh, Wildcat Hall of Fame coming up on Friday. All right. So uh, 918, Jim along with the Buckeye Boy today. It's got, I got a text to get to. Got one from Josh. He said he was listening to 850 KOA, and they talked about Ryan Tannehill being a good fit for the Broncos. That would be an interesting fit. Hmm. Ryan Tannehill. Would that be an upgrade over Russ? I don't. Uh, Seeing over the pocket. Yeah. Yes. Huh. Would would be cheaper, but then you still you still have Russ's contract that you right you have to, to navigate even whether whether you trade him or. You cut him or whatever the case may be. Uh, 35. If it was, if, it, if if the Broncos were, they just need, because we felt like they just need a quarterback. Mm-hmm. If it was just that, they're just that close. I think as, as we've seen, they, they were better this year at, at times offensively. The defense regressed so much though that even during that five-game winning streak, that there was a little little smoke and mirrors to that. I mean, they, they yeah. forced 16 turnovers. That, that's not always going to happen. And they finished near the bottom of the NFL in, in total defense and in some of those numbers. This team is not a, quote, quarterback away. That's why we don't feel – I don't feel like, and you don't feel like it's Russ's fault right. for the way things went. They're not – it doesn't feel like they're just a quarterback away. Because they're not. Because they're because the way the defense play, they're not. Offensively, while they made improvements, it's still not a a top ten offense. It's better, and it need to be better. And and give Sean Payton credit for that, and Russ credit for that. The offense was better this year, but it's not like they're just that one that, that you're just missing a quarterback. And is Ryan Tannehill that guy? Uh, no. Or do you have to acknowledge? That there's there's things you need to do defensively. They got to get better up front. 
They need to find another corner to go with Patrick Sertan the second. What are you doing with Patrick Sertan the second moving forward? In terms of an extension, mm-hmm. guy's going to make a lot of money. Are you going to be able to get Caden Stearns to st- where he can be healthy to pair with Justin Simmons in the back half of that defense? And then there's the offensive line that, while they spent a lot of money on it with Powers and McGlinchies, we've talked about ad nauseum, was a little really better. Really nothing burger. A little better, but not great. Not not like they expected. And what does that mean for, for Cushenberry, for maybe Garrett Bowles moving forward? Quinn Miners is pretty set. He was probably, in some ways, their best offensive lineman, their most consistent one this past season. Mm-hmm. But it's not like they're they're just that close. No, and adding they, Ryan they, they Tannehill. Lost, they lost some close games, granted, that they should have won, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel like they're just that close. He's harmless, is which Tannehill, is not good yeah, as is, a quarterback. Is Tannehill going to be that much better than Russ? I can't say that. Can't say that at all. Are you better off with just if you're if you're going to divorce yourself from Russ, just going, okay, let's go draft a quarterback. Let's develop a young guy. I get it. That's not when Sean Payton's done. He's only had a rookie start a, a game one time ever. That was when he was with the Saints. But maybe that's where you are now. If that's where you feel like yeah. that's the change, that that's the area that you have to address, why not address address it for the long term? Ryan Tannehill threw a touchdown pass every other game this season. He had four and eight starts. Got benched for Will Levis. Yeah. Like rookie, he's, rookie quarterback. He's but that's not what you want. You're not one. You're not a quarterback away. Two. Ryan Tannehill gives you a very good chance of treading water. Like either go all in on somebody to try to make the playoffs next season, or go all in on a youth movement and try to clear up cap space heading into the 25 draft and offseason. Now here's where Tannehill could go. How about Pittsburgh? Arthur Smith, his old OC. Oh, jeez. Another one of these quarterbacks for Pittsburgh? He's, he's now the OC in Pittsburgh. I'm not saying that that's what they should do. It's four of the same but, guy. But, Pickett, but, but, Rudolph, but, Trubisky, but I can, Hill. I can see them doing that, though. Because Arthur Smith can get the best out of Ryan They're Tannehill because he did in the sizes. past. I just don't think that Ryan Tannehill makes the Broncos immediately they that that they're you're going to get dramatically better quarterback play than you got from Russ with Ryan Tannehill. I just don't see that. Like he might be a good fit. He seems like a nice person. Good guy. I have you no know, I have no tall, personal pro football players are tall. Yeah, I have no personal beef with Ryan Tannehill. I like him. Does he sit there and shut up or does he have his own thoughts and opinions on how to play quarterback? If it's the latter, he's not a good fit. If he sits there and he shuts up and he does what Sean Payton tells him to do, then yeah, he'll be a good fit. And I've even seen okay, I've even seen this rumor online. Oh, Johnny Manziel. No, oh. no, 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 no. Dak Prescott. The Broncos are going to trade for Dak Prescott. What with their un- you mean younger Russell Wilson? With their with their unlimited draft picks that they have there. Oh, that's right. They don't have. They're pretty draft pick poor and you're gonna people get hot with me when i say there are portions of the fan base that are delusional 
What are you going to send there? What, what, are you gonna, what are you going to trade to Dallas to get What's Dak Prescott? What's Dallas going to want? And then you got then you got to pick up Dak's salary. What you already you you already have Russell Wilson's salary because Dallas be a, isn't going to take it. You going to you trade Russ for Dak? That seems like a pretty I'm the Cowboys. I'm not doing that. Pretty Can lateral you? move. I'm Mike McCarthy. I'm trying not to get fired. I don't get me fired. I got Bill Belichick looking over my shoulder. Just, just trade for Patrick Mahomes, Jim. That's what they should do. And Denver, and Denver could have they could have drafted Dak Prescott. Yeah. Remember what they did though? Who did they draft? Paxton, Paxton Lynch. Lynch. Yikes. Let's send Kansas City Garrett Bowles, Jaleel McLaughlin, and a seventh rounder for Pat for Patrick Mahomes. You think they, oh, they don't want to that? take that? Hold on, let's go turn trade rejector off. Oh, it doesn't work like that. He's heading to the last Prescott last year of his contract. He'll be a UFA in twenty twenty five, and he's going to make north of fifty million dollars yeah. next year. So you're going to get. You think yeah. Russ got paid a lot to not get the job done? <laughs> How about Dak? We see anybody else watch that Packers playoff game? Hmm. There was a time. Like it legit cost Dan yeah. Quinn his head coaching career and Dak. Look, I would, I would still. Was I'm, not great in that if, game either. If Dak Prescott didn't have that, that's that, that salary millstone around him. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'll, I'll take Dak over Russ right now. Not by, not by a country mile, not by a lot. By a little bit. I think there's probably 30 teams that would. But that's just, once again, it's it's the insane stuff that you just you just read. It's like... Just trade for Dak Prescott. Well, well just, what are you going to send? Well, it doesn't matter. Just trade for him. Just trade for him. They'll, why wouldn't Dallas want to do that? We need him. Why wouldn't they just want to do that? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't they want to help us out here? Don't they know how long it's been since we won a championship? Don't they realize the, the pain and suffering we're going through? Forget they their pain and suffering. They possibly tell. They don't possibly have any understanding of how long it's been <laughs> since we've won a championship. Forget their pain and long-term suffering of not playing in a Super Bowl. 30 or years? One. What about nine? Yeah. What about us? Well, somebody think of us. And, and the Ryan Tannehill thing. Once again, is that, does he make the Broncos better? Will he be better than Russ? I say no. Uh, no. Well, that's not always a great indicator because Garrett, Jarrett Stidham was not better than Russ, but they still played him for two games. Yeah. I just, man, just going back, the trade for Russ, once again, doesn't bother me. What they did, what they gave up, you know, the picks, that hurt. But the players they gave up were not were not backbreakers. Fant was not a bat. Losing him was not a backbreaker. I mean, it would be nice to have him this year. Yeah, with all the injuries, but that—that that to me, to get a quarterback that's an upper tier quarterback, you learn to live with that. Losing Shelby Harris wasn't a big deal because he ended up not staying there forever anyway. And Drew Locke won a game for him against Philly. It's great, but yeah, but it's not like he's replaced Geno Smith as a starter. So did Baker Mayfield? Yeah, he won a game against Philly this year. Too. <laughs> I, I just Tommy DeVito, it's, baby, it, it, won a game against Philadelphia. Yeah. 
I, I just look at the extension. Why did you do that? Why? Panic. Why, why did you get in such a hurry? See how Trying it played out. way too hard to please we're the Waltons. And it's like, hey, Russ, our quarterback, and we're invested. You want to see how invested? Here. Well, shouldn't you? Nope. I don't need to see if this product works. Give me a million of them. Because now you're stuck with what yeah. to do with his salary. You're stuck with that. You don't, you don't obviously don't like him anymore. You don't feel like he can get the job done, which I don't agree with. Guys around him need to produce. The defense needs to be better. Mm-hmm. The line needs to be better. They need to be able to run the football. That's that's not Russell Wilson's fault that Denver doesn't do those things. Right. Is Orion Tannehill's going to fix all that? Dak's going to fix all that? I don't. I feel more confident that Dak could maybe re- take care of some of those deficiencies in some ways from the quarterback position than Ryan Tannehill. Because Dak's still younger. Yeah. All right, 929. Paul Kane will join us coming up in a little bit, District 51 Athletic Director. We uh, will take a break and come back with more on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Cuckoo, loony, and crazy. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back, 932. Jim along with the Buckeye Boy. District 51 Athletic Director Paul Kane joining us in just a couple of minutes. Talk about uh, the vote against the shot clock, also the the change in terms of the the financial obligations of, of schools for uh, playoffs and tournaments. So we'll have that coming up in just a little bit. It's a very positive change uh, that Chass's Legislative Council approved uh, yesterday. All right, uh, before we get a four-down territory in this day in sports history, let's, uh, let's check out what the schedule is going to look like for the Colorado Buffaloes football team and Coach Prime in year two. Schedule came out yesterday. So, of course, their first year back in the Big 12. And they'll open up non-conference play against perennial FCS pain in the butt for FBS programs, North Dakota State at Folsom Field. It'll be August 31st. Then the Buffs go to Nebraska to score off against Matt Rule and the Corn Huskers. That's September 7th. Then they're on the road playing at Canvas Stadium against Colorado State in the Rocky Mountain Showdown September 14th. Then they play their first return game in the Big 12 at home against Baylor September 21st. Then they go to traditional Big 12 rival Central Florida. Oh, yeah. Throw out the records. September 28th. Then it's homecoming when they take on Kansas State and our friend Wyatt Thompson at Folsom Field, October 12th. Then they're at Arizona, back to the Pac-12 days, October 19th. Then they're home, they're at home against Cincinnati, October 26th. Texas Tech on the road at Lubbock, November 9th. Then they're at Folsom Field against their old Pac-12 foe, Utah, November 16th. Then they go to Kansas, and I believe that game is actually being played. I think it's I mean, at Arrowhead. It's, it's Arrowhead Stadium. Yeah. 
when they take on the Kansas Jayhawks? Either Arrowhead or the Sporting KC Stadium. I it's, think. it's Arrowhead. I just checked it. Yeah, oh, okay. it's Arrowhead. And then they're uh, at home against Oklahoma State November 29th on a Black Friday. And then hopefully maybe December 7th they're playing in the Big 12 championship game. So it's um, it's a challenging schedule. It's, you know, fairly long trip to Central Florida. Mentioned that North Dakota State, they've upset a lot of people over the years. Mm-hmm. Kansas State here a few years ago. Kansas State will be tough. I mean, they got to go to Texas Tech. It's it's not going to be like it's it's not going to be a cakewalk for Colorado. And then Nebraska is going to be better. They'll be better year two under Matt Rule. Yeah. And we'll see where Colorado State goes. Because last year they certainly gave the Buffs everything they could handle. In the Rocky Mountain Rocky Mountain Showdown mm-hmm. last year. All right. So we will have Buffs again, of course, this fall over on 1100 KNZZ 92.7 FM. All right. Let's jump into four down territory. We're into four down territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. All right. Remember uh, when Byron Allen was going to bid on the Broncos before the Walton Pinner group got them? Yes. Byron Allen, former TV personality owns a TV syndication company. Well, that Byron Allen, the Allen Media Group and his strategic partners are reportedly bidding more than $14 million for CBS's uh, parent company, Paramount Global, and the stocks have shot up. He's also willing to take on $15 billion in debt as well. Ooh. Ooh. So uh, looks like Byron Allen who could have been possibly maybe one-time Denver Broncos owner, mm-hmm. might end up phoning up CBS when it's all said and done. Move from CBS to Fox for second down. We talked about Greg Olson. Did a great job all season long with Kevin Burkhart. Yeah. Called the uh, NFC Championship game between uh, the Niners and the Lions. And that he spoke with the Athletics' Joseph Person and Richard Deitch about... Uh, no longer being the lead analyst on the top broadcast for Fox. He uh, told them, we've been planning for that for two years. We we knew when we took the job that Brady was there whenever he was going to decide to come. But the one thing I will say is I'm damn proud of what we did for two years. I don't know any crew from Kevin Burkhart to Aaron Andrews and Tom Rinaldi to our producer, our whole truck. I don't know if anyone produces a better football game than we do. He says he plans to explore a spectrum of opportunities for next season working for Fox on the number two team. Still think their best bet, pair him with Brady and Burkhart. Mm-hmm. Keep him on the number, keep him on that team. You'll want him on that team. I heard Joe, uh, not Joe, I don't know where it came up with Joe. Peter King on Dan Patrick yesterday said that that idea may not be suitable to Fox because what if Greg Olson embarrasses him? That's true. That's a good point. That is a, like, why do they pay all this guy all this money when you already had a guy in Greg Olson that was so much better. All right. Coming up, uh, we'll talk with um, District 51 Athletic Director Paul Kane, third and fourth down. Yes. And uh, remember when it talked about when the Jets, Aaron Rodgers got hurt and it's made it sound like he's going to be available and uh, ready to help out and do everything that uh, they needed him to do to help Zach Wilson get ready. Well, 
The Athletic has a very well-sourced piece detailing all the bad things that went on with the Jets in 2023. There's a lot of new information despite the organization having terrible, terrible leaks. Uh, also, one of the new pieces of information is once Rodgers got hurt, Wilson apparently told teammates and coaches he barely heard from the All-Pro throughout the season and it soured their relationship. Something Sala learned after asking Rodgers to speak with Wilson about playing again after being benched. Here's the money. Sala asked Rodgers to speak with Wilson to convince the young quarterback to change his mind. That didn't work. Wilson's feelings about his idol soured over the season as Rodgers was pushing the limits, determined to return. Uh, Wilson, along with some Jets coaches and teammates, grew tired of the way Sala fawned over Rodgers. I would too. Wilson told coaches and teammates he was under the impression he'd have a direct line to Rodgers. Even after Rodgers tore his Achilles, Wilson barely heard from him. Ooh, that's That's not surprising at all, though, is it? That's not surprising at all. We heard more from Pat McAfee from Aaron Rodgers than Zach Wilson heard from Aaron Rodgers. And it is absolutely just a mess in New York. It remains to be seen how long uh, Robert Sala is going to be able to keep that job. And it was 25 years ago today. You didn't watch, but I did that halftime heat. Oh, that's right. The Rockin' Mankind. 1999, the WWF had the Super Bowl commercial and then halftime heat. It's not a great match. It was an empty arena, though. It was kind of interesting. Not a great match. All right, that's four down territory. Right now, we'll get a final person qualified for today for the Buffalo Wild Wings big game giveaway. Table for six and 50 wings from Buffalo Wild Wings for the game on February 11th. All right, so text in right now. Text B-dubs. Make sure your first and last name are on the text. Fifth texter gets qualified. Once again, you get qualified. We'll draw the winner next Thursday on the program. All right, 940, and uh, quickly we'll jump into... That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, so uh, a Colorado sports low life and a highlight in this. 1988, Washington scores 35 points in the second quarter. To overcome a 10-0 deficit and beat the Broncos 42-10 in the Oof. Super Bowl. MVP Doug Williams passes for four touchdowns on a record 340 yards. Timmy Smith, hot knife through butter, rushes for 204 yards, a record. And they were up 10 to nothing. Yikes. 10 to nothing. 1991, Michael Adams of the Nuggets scores a career high 45 points, hands out 12 assists, and grabs 11 rebounds in a 123 to 119 win over New Jersey. What does he think he was? Pre-Nikola Jokic? Wow, look at that guy. The five foot eleven guard becomes the shortest player in NBA history to get a triple-double. Joker who? Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. And uh, District 51 Athletic Director Paul Kane joins us next on The Jim Davis Show. Craptastic. Not just crap. The team presents The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, The Team. Welcome back, Jim and the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. With us right now on the team line, Paul Kane. Hello, Paul. How are you? Good morning, Jim. Good. How are you? I'm doing well. So along with being, of course, District 51's athletic director, you're also the chairperson of the Tournament and Playoff Finance Committee. 
And yesterday, the, the legislative committee uh, voted on some issues, and we'll get to the shot clock thing in a moment, but the one that uh, you were involved in was the uh, amending the association's tournament and playoff finance structure. And this has certainly a big potential financial impact in a positive way on high schools. Kind of take us through what this change means to the to the coffers of, of, of high schools when it comes to the postseason. Well, if you go back to uh, when Robbie Owens was here and Junction made that, that run in the in the I think they were five A football playoffs back then. We had some games where, you know, seventy percent of the gate uh, on postseason for football goes to Chassa. And I don't remember exactly what the total was, but we had back-to-back games where we sent checks to Chassa for twenty-nine and like thirty-two thousand dollars. And it just kind of rubbed me wrong that you know that they were getting that kind of money. I know they need they need about a half a million dollars to come in um, to to make things operate of the current structure. And so what we looked at as a committee, we we met several times and tried to come up with some options. Um, and you know what? A couple things that bother me. You go to a postseason basketball game, and we have to charge our kids, and we have to charge our coaches, and everybody that comes in, and it doesn't feel like a playoff atmosphere. You know, there's not many people in there, and it just it's kind of depressing. And so uh, this opens up. Chasses will not get any of the money, and it opens up. It's up to the schools now. If we want to let kids in free with their SBA sticker when they have that, we can do that. If we want to let coaches in with their coaches' passes, we can do that. So it opens up some opportunities in that way. Now, what would be a hurt for us is when we travel, like when Fruta went to Broomfield for football, the playoff guarantee, Broomfield, they still haven't paid us. They owe us about $2,500 for the playoff guarantee. So we'll lose that, but on the flip side, the week before when Fruta hosted, I believe it was Fountain Fork Carson, we had to pay them the guarantee. So I think it's going to be close to a wash for us. Um, it's just a, um, a fundamental change on how, on how Chassa does that. And we, what we decided was we broke it by classification. If you're a 1A school, you're going to pay $600, and all the way up to 6A schools pays $2,600 to uh, capture that money that Chasta needs, and then the, the postseason is going to be up to the schools now. If there's a proceed of over a thousand dollars on the, the playoff games, then twenty five percent goes back to the, the traveling school. Paul Kane with us this morning, District Fifty One Athletic Director uh, on the Team Sports Network. Your quote in the Denver Post article, Paul, is saying that eighty five percent of last year's hosts for the wrestling regionals lost money. The deficit would now actually turn into a a $5,000 profit for each host school. So in that circumstance, that's a situation where this will be beneficial to those schools that host those tournaments. Absolutely. And I think uh, Chas is having a hard time finding people that want to host. And, you know, if you're going to put in extra work and do that, and, and you know, when you lose money, you're going to ask those schools that are participating in that to help with the cost of, of losing that. So, so, you know, we just ran some numbers and, you know, if you're going to do the extra work of hosting a wrestling regional, you should make some money for your programs and in, in your school. So, but, I think long term it'll be a good it'll be a good thing. Um, there was some opposition, mainly from Denver Public Schools and Aurora Public Schools, and they felt that their teams don't make the postseason, so they shouldn't have to pay. And so they felt that that was a burden that the schools that make the playoffs should be paying the extra money. 
So they're making the assumption that their school, their, their teams are never going to make the playoffs. And okay, that's that's, yeah. that's kind of what they were wow. saying, which I, I <laughs> wow. kind of was like, man, if I was a coach in that area, I, I, that's not a real comforting, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that the expectation is, well, we really hope you don't make it because we don't have to pay any of this money because we don't think you're going to make it anyway. Yeah, what right. What great support. <laughs> from, yeah, exactly. From, oh, that's, uh, that's a little bit mind-blowing. So uh, uh, let's talk about the shot clock because the, the legislative – uh, council voted against uh, implementing the shot clock and uh, you know we've talked about it and I, I saw Mike Kruger Chassis Commissioner recently we we talked about it a little bit and and there, there seemed to be a sense of you know it's, it's going to be a burden for smaller schools got to find somebody else to run the shot clock and, and you know it's already tough to find enough people to, to keep the book and do PA and all those kind of things and are we really solving a problem are we solving a problem that doesn't really exist uh, in, in high school basketball in the state. And I think that also kind of fell into this decision voting against the, the shot clock, the cost, and also does it really, is it solving a problem that doesn't really exist? Yeah, you know, that's, that's this is such a heated topic and it's interesting. The last five weeks, I really felt in, in, this, in December that this shot clock was a go. And in the last five, six weeks, things kind of turned. And I think people started looking at the financial commitment, not only... You know, for our district to add shot clocks in each of our gyms, it's about $50,000. And then the cost of paying a worker for every single game at every single level, that, that's going to add up over time. But, you know, we were willing to do that, and the Southwestern League did vote for it. Um, but, you know, and then they made an amendment from the floor at the meeting, which kind of made sense to me is just to have a shot clock for varsity games. Now, when you make an amendment from the floor, it takes a two-thirds majority, and, and when the vote came out, it still didn't even have a simple majority. So I really believe that there'll be another proposal in our April Legislative Council around shot clock, and I don't know what that'll look like, but uh, I don't think this thing's going away. Do you feel like it's a problem that needs to be solved? Uh, you know, I don't. And I, I know that might be... I know a lot of our coaches would probably disagree with me, but, you know, um, there's nothing wrong with not having a shot clock. You know, if a team wants to work two, three minutes off the clock and get a good shot, you know, that's a game of basketball. I don't yeah. see a problem. And, and look, in, in Buckeye and myself, we, we call high school games. And, I don't look, I don't sit there with a stopwatch and, okay. and time every possession. But The problem yeah. we've come across is more inability to rebound defensively, which should be on the schools to institute a shot clock then. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, yeah, I just don't think I don't. I can't think of that many extremely ungodly long possessions. Paul, and we go, oh, she's he's going four corner, and they chew up three minutes off the clock. I, I just, I don't feel, I just don't feel like the ones I've done, and this is just me, you know, being, you know, radio anecdotal evidence, you know, l- l- yeah, radio guy. That's this huge, huge problem. I don't either. And you know, when I was on Chass's board of directors, they would send a. Uh, the board to the sum, national summer meetings, and I'd always attend the the national basketball rules committee meeting. And shot clock was a hot topic then, but this it's been five six years since I've been on the board. But the states that have it, scoring only went up like two point seven five points a game. It wasn't like scoring went up a ton. Yeah, once again, so, I, yeah, I just don't know if it's a problem that that really needs to be fixed. I don't think it's a problem yeah. that really exists. You know, last night's game with Fruit Junction. And, you know, good, good for Fruita because it's part of the game. But, you know, Fruita ran a minute, minute and a half, minute and 40 seconds off late just because they were waiting to get a good shot, and they got layup out of it, you know. And, you know, if you have the shot clock, you can't do that. And people were upset about that. But 
that's within the rules now. There's nothing wrong with that. And how often does that happen? Yeah, not very often. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you know? that's what I'm saying is how often does that happen? You're you're trying to fix something that is such a rare occurrence, but you invest all this time, energy, and a lot of money into yep. something that really doesn't that doesn't fix a problem that, that actually doesn't exist. Yeah. 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 Uh, we had Corey Hitchcock, Palisades coach, on very quickly. I want to ask you about this. He would put a thing on Facebook about wouldn't it be cool if we – played like a played a high school basketball game during the day so students would be easier for them to attend like one one game maybe palisade central in the afternoon uh thought that'd be a cool idea i think some other school districts elsewhere in the country have have done this you're the guy you're the you're at the top of the food chain in this would that ever be something that could possibly fly just one one you know a boys and a girls game during the day during the week uh- I see multiple issues. It's funny. He hasn't even brought this up with me. First time I've heard of it. But anyway, that's okay. Um, You know, you're taken away from an instructional time. And, you know, I think that in this day and age, things have kind of changed there. So that's one one issue. But then that makes it tough on parents and and grandparents and spectators to come watch, too. So, um, Well, that's just something he threw out. I think he just found it somewhere on Facebook, and he threw it out. I'm a Facebook friend of his, and I just said, hey, I saw this thing on Facebook. Yeah, it would be kind of cool, but I could see all the the, the things you just mentioned, Paul, the the challenges of of making that happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. I mean, I'd love to – is there somewhere in Colorado or somebody that has done it and love to pick their brain? What's the pros and cons of it? What You know, just someone that's done it. Uh, absolutely. What? Yeah. And how successful has it been? What were you know, some, or or why did Would you, you do it again? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's, exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. I, that's interesting. I've just never heard of that. But yeah. All right. Well, Corey's the guy to talk to on that. Part. I will. So. I will talk to Corey. <laughs> I'll see him soon. So. <laughs> All right. Very good, Paul. All I appreciate right. it. Thank you, sir. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. You Bye. too, Paul Kane, District Fifty One Athletic Director, joining us in the program. All right. That's our show today, and uh, coming up tomorrow on the program. Let's see. Mark Johnson, voice the Buffaloes, will join us tomorrow, as he normally does. And I believe Steve Skiff, Montrose girls coach, is going to join us as well. And we'll have our team's team of the week. We'll have that tomorrow as well on the program. Plus the Piles favorite game on a Thursday, which is... So that's all coming up tomorrow. All right, did we announce our our last qualifier for today? I don't think we did. No, we did not. Okay, you want to go ahead and do that? Uh, Yeah, the last qualifier for the B-Dubs big game giveaway is Steven... Although his team is not going to be playing in the game, Steven is now on the list. Oh, hold on. You just made the list! All right, congratulations, Steven. And your chance to get qualified once again tomorrow for our uh, Buffalo Wild Wings big game giveaway. Table for six and 50 wings for uh, the big game February 11th out at Buffalo Wild Wings at Mesa Mall. All right, that's our show for today. And uh, coming up, Jim Rome, but tonight, 5.30 pregame, 6 o'clock tip. The Nuggets at Oklahoma City with Jason Kosminski. For the Buckeye Boy, I'm Jim. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for making us part of your day. Back to you tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock on the Team Sports Network.